Hello everyone, great evening and a beautiful Monday. Welcome to another episode of Heartship, now leadership, diversity and is. We explore the science of diversity and culture through a global and holistic lens on our ship. I'm your host, Mila Duchon, a DEI scientist, and today I will be exploring the importance of a psychological safe workplace. To join me in this discussion, I have a brilliant guest, Alan Chow. Alan Chow has been a workforce consultant after getting his master's degree in industrial and organisational psychology. This field allows him to look into the attitudes and behaviours across various organisations and shaped his professional views on why work can be awful sometimes and the scientific and humane ways to make it better. Let's bring Alan on. Welcome, Alan. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mila. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Alan. And it's always an honor speaking with you and exploring your mind and the beauty that goes in, inside your thought process, right? Um, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. The topic that we picked today to discuss on this. We are living in an era where we have the most diverse generation at the workplace. And at the same time, we have the most discombobulating work etiquette at the workplace, where the Z generation, the millennials, the Xennials, they want, the other ones are drastically different from the X generation and baby boomers. This is also tied with the individual's culture, let it be personal or, or at home, right? The cultures are very much different and the ideologies that they adopt based on which part of the country that they are based out of or the world that they are from. As work advocates intersect and repulse and fail as, uh, to collaborate, toxic work environments are born which impact psychological safety, which is a great segue <laughs> to our topic. I want to explore it, but to start with, I want to understand from your perspective right, and from your years of expertise, what does psychological safety mean? That's a great question. Uh, a psychologically safe workplace, when we're talking about it within the context of uh, the, the company and the business world, is uh, it's just simply looking at a team that not only performs really well, but there's also a lot of support, there's also a lot of uh, kindness, and, and there are several factors that go into that as well, you know, uh, no matter uh, where the team is located or how it's how how its people come together. So there are just certain things like um, the the ability to you know listen to one another, be able to openly talk and share ideas without recourse or embarrassment uh, or, or retaliation um, and just, People being, you know, open-minded and 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 willing to come together for the work while maintaining their individuality and uh, enhancing the teams that they're in. I love every point that you mentioned, and what really stood out to me is maintaining one's individuality, right? And in we see a lot of toxic environments at the workplace especially. Um, and there has been a huge push 
to shift this kind of culture. But as, uh, you know, it, it takes time to shift that toxic workplace into a more psychological safe space for everyone to perform like you mentioned, you know, where there's no retaliation, kindness is shown. But I want to emphasize on something that you mentioned, maintaining one's individuality and how that is correlated to psychological safety and confidence. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of variables goes into triggering the environment where we can build an environment where we can enable and catalyze where an individual is empowered to have their own individuality and maintain that? Certainly. Uh, I mean, this can happen in a number of different ways um, across different levels of the organization. If you think about the levels of the organization being from like an individual, like your own person and employee in the company, all the way to like the team level, to the department level and to the organizational level as a whole, at every, at every level, there is something that can be done to uh, ensure and maintain psychological safety and to your question, um, maintain the individuality and allow that to shine through. So it, it's about knowing and being in an environment that values you. And uh, you also kind of have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, maybe, if you're not that type of person to, to kind of be a little vulnerable and, and, and really kind of like share a part of yourself to the team and not be too closed off because it's kind of like a two-way uh, exchange, right? Like in order for people to work together, there's got to be a little bit of a give and take, which means uh, sometimes you have to kind of put yourself out there a little bit at the individual level. And then as we go up more towards like that bigger and bigger construct up to like the organizational level, uh, this can look like, you know, an, an actual policy that's being put in place to help managers and leaders uh, a acknowledge and keep in mind that you have individuals on the team and they may have individual co uh, contributions and allow for that diverse opinions to come through. I like that you mentioned diversity, you know, to allow that diverse opinions and thought processes to come through. But before we move on to this, I want to acknowledge we have got viewers, we already have got fans, Alan, you've got fans right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to acknowledge them really quickly. <laughs> So we have got Brittany Shirol from LinkedIn saying, I know this is going to be good. And she also agreed with you that feeling supported is crucial. We also have got Kelly Blackmore saying 100% to what you mentioned. So I appreciate all you viewers. If you have got questions for Alan, please keep on, keep it coming. And Alan will be answering it as we go. So I want to get back into what you mentioned about the diverse thoughts, right? And knowing and being in an environment, I want to touch on that really quickly, um, to trigger, to catalyze where you can contribute as an in individual and you can have the confidence and have that empowered feeling, right? And you mentioned that knowing and being in an environment. So let's talk about this because this is very much tied with hiring, interviewing, um, human capital, a lot of facets of the hiring process and interviewing and going into an organization, right? And especially right now, during the pandemic, 
people are trying to get back into work or trying to look for work because they are misplaced from the major layoff. Let's talk about knowing and being in an environment where you know that you can contribute and you can shine. From your expertise being in this industry, what kind of tips can you give someone where, how can they know and that they are in the right environment? Sometimes, you know, being desperate because being displaced calls for desperation and not in a bad way because we all need the finances to pay mortgage, rent and whatnot. Sure. So how can we differentiate knowing it's the right environment to ensure our psychological safety and not knowing and having that desperation just to get into any organization. Okay. From from like the job seekers perspective as they're going right. into an organization. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one, one good way is to ask some questions pertaining to that during the interview. Uh, you, you can kind of like phrase things and ask things in a certain way and, and uh, from how the interviewers respond to that um, or what, what, what they say uh, about that uh, could be a, a way to find out. So it's things like, and then you, it, it also starts with you personally knowing like, what are you looking for in uh, a psychologically safe work environment? And that, that usually depends on like previous experiences that you've had in the past where you were in a pretty toxic team or in a toxic environment. So you know you definitely don't want those. So you can kind of like use that as a basis to start the discussion during the interview um, to find out, hey, what 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 is your team uh, currently looking like? So for example, maybe, you know, being uh, open to communication is important to me because in the past, like I haven't had really uh, a lot of chances to like, uh, uh, to speak up and, and to connect with my teammates or with my leaders that way. So uh, if, for example, if, if I was uh, an uh, interviewee, some of the questions I might ask is like, tell, um, hey, tell me some of uh, the way that like your, your, your team kind of communicate with each other. How do they communicate uh, important information or like things that are need to know uh, from from like the higher ups or just what are the day-to-day -day, um communication look like do they communicate over email is it people casually go into each other's cubes uh which which may not happen during this covid environment <laughs> but that, that is just another example you know some some teams like to uh chat over their uh messaging system, whatever they're using, and then that's their preferred way to directly reach out to somebody because that's what works best for them. Um, so that's just one example. So like asking a lot of questions during the interview would help. Um, looking up some of these places online, like, you know, through, through Glassdoor and um, maybe some places uh, have their own like job boards and website and people do leave comments about them, just gives you a pretty good sense of um, what those uh, past employers or incumbent employees, I mean, uh, have been through. Uh, I, although I would take those with a grain of salt because, you know, they may have, the people usually like leave a company because they had a terrible experience and we don't want to lean into that cognitive bias and then just, 
assume that like everything we read is a, a an accurate reflection of the organization, but it is a, a, an important piece of information to keep in mind as you are exploring uh, the environment. And then from from that point on, it really is just about you know staying the course, uh, knowing what you want to get out of your career, knowing what type of team you want to work in, and how much you're willing to settle for. And, Again, it's that give and take, you know, uh, we, we can't all have everything that we want all the time. And sometimes we do have to make compromises and that's okay, but just make sure that, you know, you understand the limit of which where like that trade-off begins to get a little uh, uncomfortable for you and it's sacrificing your personal self-worth and what you want to get out of your career. Beautifully put. I want to expand on one aspect of something that you mentioned and my mind just kind of like branched out to various things. So you mentioned about speaking up, right? That's also part of ensuring that we know that we're in the right place. And that contributes to us building that psychological safety as well. And speaking up is just not as being in the interview, right? But also speaking up as a team member. Because I know I've been on teams and in different organisations where I have interviewed. I was, the, <laughs> you know, I was the candidate getting interviewed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are these false, false preconceived notions that, as a candidate, you can't challenge too much. If you challenge too too much, you will be looked over. But at the same time, you that's a basis for us to interview. When you're going into an organisation, it's just not the hiring manager or the CEO or team members kind of like interrogating you, but it's also your opportunity to, to your point. You mentioned about you want to know what kind of people they are. But I want to bring that to the next level. As a team member, the importance of speaking up and as a peer, as a mentor and as a manager, the importance of speaking up to build that psychological safe space Right, speaking a lot of times, people think that you can't speak up, you can't challenge your manager because there's a retaliation, right? But speaking up is also getting your voice heard. It's also about creating, even though there's going to be retaliation against you, but indirectly you're creating a safe space for others. So let's talk a little bit about speaking up. How can we? speak up in different ways it's not about no i disagree with you but respectfully disagree mm -hmm. right or respectfully speaking up and what are some different forms that speaking up takes um so that we can build that psychological safe space not just for us but for others as leaders I think you you already kind of touched on one of them already uh, from from like the scientific perspective of the industrial and organizational psychology, mm -hmm. like that perspective of team building and forming. Um, feedback is important, and and being able to 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 say something is is a valuable factor too. Not just the positive things, but negative things as well. Like uh, studies have shown that it. It works best when you give both positive and a negative feedback at the same time. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of like a compliment sandwich in a way, but it's about uh, providing crucial and meaningful information 
about the work. And perhaps I think that's where we could we could start off by making sure that like the the things that we're contributing towards or the things that we're being critical of at the end of the day, it's about the work. It's about putting forth the best product or the best services that you and your team want to provide. Uh, it, it would be a completely different story if you're making it personal and you know we don't get along with everybody uh, all the time and uh, that's okay to a level but at the same time you can't, I mean it's not it's not a good way to just go ahead and like start swinging at, at somebody for, for for being who they are. Uh, you, you may not like that person, but you know that person may want to hear about this thing that is going to have an impact on the end product, or they would love, but they would still love to hear about something good that they're doing. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like being in the room and either being the person saying that and having somebody else observe it or observing somebody else display those behaviors and characteristics kind of empowers the team members in a way to, to adopt that behavior for themselves. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I, I love that you mentioned about putting forth the best product, right? And we can only put our best product forward when our morals are high. And I want to explore, well, for viewers and listeners out there, let's let's talk a little bit about in order to put the best product out there, it could be in the form of productivity, right? Because organizations are always looking for how can we increase our productivity, right? And people are measured on their production, right? If you make X amount of dollars, then you are the best. If you make X number of calls, you're the best. If you finish this project in short number of time, you're the best. But organizations and even the best of the best leaders still do not understand that productivity is related to many variables of the human aspect of it, right? It could be morale, right? And morale is related to engagement. So I want to hear from your perspective. Great. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're starting to kind of edge into that realm of human capital, which is a, a, an area where I've spent uh, several years in, in, in my yes. practice. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, so I, I, I want to clear up this one misconception about <laughs> human capital. And I get this a lot whenever I talk about my work to people casually. Uh, one of the comments that I, I usually get is uh, just one of general disgust. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so a, a coworker and I were about to uh, meet with some with, with some clients and uh, for, for to facilitate a focus group. We wanted to get some uh, subject matter expertise insight from this group of people. They know their work and they're the best at it. So we were there to, to just kind of have a conversation with them. And uh, this was our first day, our, our, our first time meeting. We all sit down, make our small talk. And right before we we're ready to begin, they found out that uh, we were uh, IO psychologists and we were kind of like doing this human capital work stuff. And somebody at the table just immediately uh, said, you know, I don't like human capital because I don't like being put 
into a little block and have a label on it. And I thought it was just so interesting. Like we haven't gotten into anything yet. And this guy is already starting right off the gate with that statement. Uh, and to be honest, it's, it's not an inaccurate statement. Like I also don't want to be put into a block and did slap, I had have a label slap on it. And I think that's, uh, but it's still a pretty common perception. You know, when people think of human capital, it's associated with a certain type of mood or behavior. But what, what it really is, is that um, it's looking at potential, potential behavior, potential productivity, and not just from the perspective of, of, of dollars or, or quotas met, although that's one approach that we can certainly take, but it's also about examining the, the, the human being, the humanness of it. Like, what are some of your potentials? And what, what can you do currently? What are some of your limitations? And, you know, how, how can we help you go beyond that and, and just keep growing? And that's a lot of the, that's the aspect of human capital that uh, not a lot of people hear about. And uh, really glad to have this platform to share with everybody. Because a lot of our work isn't just trying to like put a dollar value on a person. It's, it's about like uh, providing uh, professional development opportunities so that like they can take courses or we can offer little tidbits and on the job training to help them get better at what they do. It's about respecting work-life balance because I mean, we have our jobs, we have our careers, but we are not personally defined by that. We also have a life outside of work and we have families and personal things we have to take care of. And sometimes that gets in the way of working and that's okay. So, so yeah. <laughs> I love how you put it, right? And it's, it's not only about putting the dollar value, but it's really identifying the potential and the limitations. Let's talk about limitations because most of the time when you talk about limitations, people kind of freak out and, and think that, oh, you know, Tim is limited in this or Susan is limited in this. So we can't promote him or her. We can't, you know, we can't invest in them. Right. And that's a very, well, to me, it's a backward mindset. It's not a mindset of investing. It's not a mindset of a leader. It's not a mindset of a people success partner, okay. right? And you, you spoke about, you know, better at what you do. Let's invest in in something that you are better at and better and become better at what you do. And it is also about investing in someone or taking a risk on someone, right? Where 20 people can say no she's not that great you know it's it's a waste of time investing in this person but at the same time it's like planting a seed in the wrong ph soil so the seed does not grow i had to give that analogy <laughs> <laughs> no that was that was spot on that was great <laughs> <laughs> so from a human capital perspective what are some strategy or adoption that we as leaders can can take to identify someone who is struggling in in their space but 
but we have to step back and look at maybe they are not good in this space. How about we pluck them and put somewhere else? So what are some tips that you can give leaders out there? Sure, a great question. I mean, uh, one, one thing they can absolutely do is to look at the, the person as a whole and not just by what their limitation is. Because you're right, like limitations does have a certain negative connotation to it. And it usually almost always lead to a negative outcome or consequence when we focus on that. So one way to get around this is just not to put such a heavy emphasis on it. It's important to realize about this individual and in like a direct report or one of your team members. But uh, there, there is this thing in psychology called a halo bias where we assume that like if you're bad at one thing or good at one thing, you tend to be good, uh, bad or good across uh, everything else. And that's simply not true. Like just because you're bad at Excel doesn't mean you can't potentially make a great leader one day. And so uh, it, it's important to look at the, the, the whole person and realize like going back to, to what I mentioned earlier, the positives and the negatives just to get a, a more complete picture of who, who do you have on your team there. And, you know, you could look at past performances, you can sit down and have a chat with them about like, hey, what have you done in the past? What are you looking to do? What are you hoping for to do? Uh, I always appreciate my, my managers and supervisors who, who come to me having these conversations. Uh, it, it shows that they, they, they care about me and they care about my growth. And it's a part of maintaining and fostering a psychologically safe workplace. So, yeah. I love how you tie everything together. It's <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> and as you were discussing about, you know, really identifying the strengths of someone, it reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen this, cartoon it's it's from a newspaper where an elephant a fish a snake different animals right are kind of like lined up in a queue and <laughs> and the person in front of them a human says okay i would like all of you to do one thing so a fish like i think the title was to climb a, a tree so the fish obviously can't climb a tree because fish they swim and the elephant can't really climb a tree so it reminded me of you know every animal they have got different strengths a fish can swim hold its breath underneath the water i can't even hold my breath for two seconds underneath the water <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the analogy that i want to to bring to, to, you know put forth that you know we are all different even standardized examination does not test someone's capability, someone's strength. Intelligence is absolutely different from skills and strengths. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, again, the misconception to your point, if you're bad at Excel, I've heard this narrative at the workplace a lot, you're stupid, you know, you can't do anything right, or you will not be good at something, right? I'm not good at running. I can't run for more than five seconds. When I go jogging, I brisk walk. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> so, but does not mean that I can't brisk walk. That's not mean that I can't do anything else right. So I love the point that you made 
just because someone is not good at Excel does not mean that they will not be a great leader. Mm. But I love that you tie everything together, right? When we invest in our people, when we find that potential, when we invest in people's professional development, it creates that safe environment and psychological safety. Mm -hmm. And to to bring it all together, Alan, what three tips do you have for our viewers and listeners out there Mm -hmm. where as a leader and as an individual contributor, as a peer, even as an entry-level candidate, what three things can they do to create a psychological safe space for themselves and for your team? Great question. Actually, before before I jump into that, you just made me think of another thing. Uh, and uh, sometimes like leaders can provide certain accommodations and support to just patch up the, the gaps whether uh, sometimes the gaps can be very huge or, or, or very little, but this is where accommodation and, and equity and organizational justice comes in because sometimes people just need to have a little bit of support just to like optimize their behavior. It doesn't always need to be like, oh, put them in this class or invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into this, but uh, it's just another small way to foster that kind of environment. But going back to your questions, the three things that that people could do, uh, first of all, communication is key. Be 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 open to communicate. I mean, within within reason, of course. You don't have to share everything on your mind unfiltered. But there is something to be said about having the difficult conversation necessary to get at the root of the problem and really tackle the issue uh, in in a way that's like collaborative and again focusing on like the the objective of the collaboration uh so that's that's one just being willing to talk and listen uh to to within the team environment um also be open-minded and considerate just kind of like you know avoiding that halo bias um just consider that like the person that you're seeing across from you may have more going on than what can be observed from the surface and when you know it may be none of your business you don't have to know every little thing about it but just know that like there's more than meets the eye and sometimes that 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 does contribute to what you're seeing and what you're hearing from them and so another thing is um, be be proactive about wanting to contribute to a psychologically safe environment and workspace. Uh, whether you are a fellow team member and you're like like I mentioned earlier, watching somebody do this, or like you demonstrating the behavior yourself, or if you're a leader and you have the power uh, to to leverage a a particular policy or encourage your fellow managers. To support their team members but it takes a proactive approach and, and yet uh, we all have to put in that hard work it just doesn't happen magically <laughs> no i agree with you it's 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 not like you become a fantastic leader overnight or by going to a course right to your point we become better by practicing it every day it's like eating right It's like dieting, not dieting, I mean, exercising, right? To reach the ideal weight or ideal body that you want to gain. 
it is about consistency. So I love that you mentioned that it is consistency. And before we go, we have a question from one of our viewers, Great. Kelly Blackmon. And he asks, what can management do to ensure they have an open mind about employees? That's a great question, Kelly. And uh, some of the things that, you know, I'm kind of thinking of off the top of my head and, you know, based on what I've seen out in the field, um, once again, it's that that proactive, like they really have to want it. Uh, so quick joke, some of you may have heard about this before. Uh, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? One, but the light bulb has to want to change. Oh. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little corny, but th there you go. Uh, so if, if they want, um, if they are receptive to it, certainly. Uh, but also, I mean, it takes it takes some encouragement. Um, and I, I've seen certain environments where it was like just a strict order, like leadership wants you to do this and 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 hear hear out your direct reports more. Um, and sometimes that'll help. It's not, it's not the best way to go about it, but it's certainly another strategy. Um, also providing them like the resources and support too, to the managers. I mean, it's not just for like the, the employees at the frontline level. I mean, like mid-level managers and sometimes executive leaders also need a little bit of guidance themselves. So having that support available, knowing that other people want them to do it and uh, giving them a chance to also contribute and think of ways that they could um, address this problem in their own style and manner also also help. So those are all like a, a battery of little things that, that, that together can, can encourage change. I love that you mentioned that. And of course, change does not occur overnight. And I agree with you. A lot of the times in organizations, you know, people have change management departments and um, they have this strategy without understanding people, right? Because change takes time. It's, I'm going to go back to your <laughs> analogy of losing weight again. It takes three months for your body to realize oh yeah i am in the mood of losing weight i need your your lipid cells gets triggered after 12 weeks then you know you will see slight changes that oh yeah this is happening right now three months within three to six months then you get adopted to that behavior of okay my stomach is adopting to this kind of food you know my my various parts of my body is adopting to the exercises. So if humanly speaking, right, scientifically speaking, from a biological stance, if your body takes three months to realize, yes, this is the start point, then three to six months, then you're adopting that behavior, then change management in an organization takes time. I see a lot of the time where new management comes in, and you know, even like, um, but what do you say? Um, oh my god, I'm forgetting that term. When two organizations combine together, oh, what's that term? A merger, yes, a merger. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there, and I couldn't mm. think about it. A merger, when mergers 
occur, a lot of change happens, right? Management kind of merge together, people get let go, new management comes in, there's a new style coming in. Mm-hmm. And people are expected to adopt quickly and they have this change management plan saying, okay, you're going to be trained, this is what we will do, and you're going to be trained to use these tools, just deal with it. If you don't like it, you can leave it. And that impacts someone's psychological safety as well. Absolutely. And it does not happen that way from like the science of work, from an IO psych standpoint, from a human capital standpoint, things just, it, it just doesn't happen like that. And, and they can also do, do more damage in the, in the process. And I also see like a lot of leaders who are really so gung-ho about their particular brand of change and their 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 strategy that uh, they almost kind of get like a tunnel vision. And it, it's kind of like, you know, they were coming from it from a, a good place. They want to improve the organization, but sometimes things just don't work at this particular workplace or this new environment that the merger has created. And some people take that as a failure and they've done something wrong and, and it's just not a good thing. But uh, I mean, sometimes we, we need to find out what doesn't work in order to help us get to what we do know will work. And so failure isn't just like this bad, horrendous thing that you should feel shame and guilty about. It's a signal to tell you to maybe try another route or explore more options. I love that mindset. Failure is actually an opportunity. It's it, it's like a door, like a, a magical door saying, hey, here's another chance. Let's redo this. So I love that you brought that up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, I know that we're running out of time and it's been such a pleasure having you exploring the signs of psychological and the importance of having a psychological safe workplace or environment um i know a lot of organizations are committed to adopting a diverse more efficient more impactful environment and they're committed to bringing the heart into the spaces where can listeners and viewers find you um they can find me on on linkedin my name is alan chow um and i think that's that's really the only place i i don't have a lot of uh social media that you know i i float around with no tiktok (laughs) (laughs) not once i'm willing to share anyways no i'm kidding no i don't i do not have a tiktok but i'm looking forward to to making new friends (laughs) Yeah. yeah thank you again for bringing your wisdom bringing your expertise on hardship the now workplace diversity leadership and as um, you know viewers listeners out there thank you for supporting if you liked this episode please give it a thumbs up on iTunes on Spotify subscribe to the YouTube channel and of course follow Alan Chow he is a brilliant brilliant expert in psychological safety and organizational development he he is an advocate of wellness mental wellness as well and i've seen his work he's just doing brilliant work in his community as well so alan thank you once again for being here truly appreciate you thank you for the kind words and thanks for having me this was really fun
You're welcome. All right, folks, that's all that we have for this week. I'll catch you again next week. Toodles.